The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Well, it's already Thursday. It couldn't, uh, this week couldn't go fast enough for me. I'm just, uh, I-, I can't do these cross-country overnight trips anymore. They just wear me out. And to make it really hard for me to get my rhythm back again. And I'm a person who has a really intense schedule. So if I'm not in rhythm, it's uh, it's pretty scary. But it's not as bad for me as for some of these people who are fleeing the country, like uh, Tara Reid, the woman who accused Joe Biden of some sort of inappropriate sexual behavior. I believe he penetrated her with his finger. Some story I, I, I kind of remember. She fled to Russia. How unsafe do you have to feel in America to flee to Russia? I mean, that's just, uh, that's unusual for me. I'd like to ask uh, Brittany Griner what she thinks about that. You know, is Russia a safe place for an American? Not. Um, And then you got this other, an American-Israeli energy expert who was reported missing in Cyprus just last month after he claimed that he had some incriminating intelligence about uh, Hunter Biden. And now he is supposed to be a fugitive in some undisclosed location. And, uh, you know, you you just have to laugh. He he apparently, guy's name is Gal Luft, and he skipped bail last month after being hit with a slew of charges by the U.S. courts and threatened with extradition back to the United States in what he claims is a politically motivated prosecution. He denies the allegations, which include five charges relating to the Arms Export Control Act of conspiring to sell Chinese products to the United Arab Emirates, Kenya, and Libya, as well as a violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act and of making a false statement. I'm telling you, this Department of Justice is just highly suspect. They ignore cases that seem like slam dunks to me. And then they, uh, you know, they prosecute people. I'm still trying to figure out, like, what what happened here? What What is the case? Is this guy an arms dealer? You know, that that's a pretty um, lofty charge to sling at somebody who was an energy expert, you know. But, hey. I just don't get it. I don't get this Department of Justice at all. The fact that they have, you know, literally ignored so many things for so long, whether it's the Clinton Global Initiative, that fake fraud, phony um, charity that never did any charitable work, but certainly enriched Hillary and Bill. But, you know, listen, I'm getting used to the insanity I think if it ever settled down into like reality, I probably wouldn't know how to handle it. You know, if it, if it ever got, got normalized here in America again, it would probably feel really strange. So it's heating up between Trump and, uh, and our governor. I think the headline I saw today said MAGA vicious. <laughs> and everybody's all upset because uh, Donald Trump's going after everybody. He's going after Ron DeSantis. He's going after uh, Chris Christie. He went after Kaylee McEnany. I, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, and yet, 
all the the reading that I did overnight really painted a very flattering picture of the negotiations, both of Joe Biden, the president, and uh, Kevin McCarthy, the speaker. And whenever I find, you know, whenever NPR and CNBC and and the Fox News Network are all in agreement, I have a real problem with the story. You know, that tells me that um, my needs are probably not going to be met. Well, I know my needs are not going to be met. I've studied the Fiscal Responsibility Act. I love that they give them these names, and they're anything but. This is fiscally irresponsible. I think that's what it should be called. Um, but they did manage to get this debt ceiling bill out of the House yesterday. Um, more Republicans voted against it than Democrats. That should tell you everything you need to know. And now, of course, it's in the hands of uh, Chucky Schumer and the the Senate. And with the they, that's a no-brainer. They will pass it. It'll be on the president's desk tomorrow. You know, um, the Senate chamber yesterday was empty. And he, the Chuck Schumer was standing there, I watched it on C-SPAN, was standing there talking to a virtually empty chamber to put the bill on the calendar for today. And, you know, when he says... There's been a very good vote in the House. I hope we can move the bill quickly here in the Senate. I'm nervous. You know, and you should be too. See, the problem for me is that I don't trust, uh, you know, the Republicans. They obviously don't have the courage of my convictions. They claim to have my convictions, but they don't. He got 165 Democratic votes on the bill, McCarthy, but he only got 149 from Republicans. So 165 Democrats think this is a good bill. And 149 Republicans think it's a good bill. What does that tell you? I know what it tells me. You know, this is not a good bill. 71 Republicans voted against it. And, and that tells me that only 71 Republicans care to, to actually do what they told us they were going to do, what we told them we wanted them to do. And every one of them will be handily reelected, is my, you know, prediction. On the other hand, all of these people who voted for it in the Republican Party, including some people that I like, like uh, um, Jim Jordan, you know, I don't know what his motivation was. Leadership, I, I don't know. I don't trust anybody anymore. Marjorie Taylor Greene, I, you know, I've, I've kind of given up on her. I can't figure her out from one day to the next. You know, she, she's ultra conservative in one minute, and then the next minute, you know, she sounds like, uh, you know, AOC. So she voted for it, and Jim Jordan voted for it. So I, you know, I, I don't know what to make of it of all of this, except that we're getting hammered again. You know, this is a deal. Remember, three weeks ago, Joe Biden wouldn't even talk to Kevin McCarthy. And then things started to uh, calm down. You know, somebody said to me, well, they're both Irish. Okay, well, what does that mean? We're so busy categorizing people these days. 
Is the fact that Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden have Irish heritage in any way, shape, or form relevant to a debt ceiling bill? Because if it is, I fail to see it. You know, it's the same thing they do to women and they do to gays and they do to everybody else is they tell us, oh, well, uh, you know, um, we have to stick together. No, we don't. People don't have to stick together because they come from the same land or they speak the same language. They don't even believe in sticking together for America. We all speak the same language and we all come from here. And yet we're divided. So, you know, I'm just, every day I look a little deeper into the Fiscal Responsibility Act and every day I find more uh, despicable, ideological, losing propositions for the future of America, not just the future of conservatism because, you know, I'm, I'm part of a conservative movement, but this country has as many progressives in it as it has conservatives. So uh, I expect to lose some battles. But the really big ones, I don't expect to get beaten as badly as I see we got beaten in this bill. And then to watch all of these you know, um, media pundits uh, congratulating themselves. So what a great job they, 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 they are going to beat the default deadline, which I think is Monday. Guess what? Um, nothing was going to shut down on Monday that couldn't afford to be shut down. How about that? I love it when we shut parts of government down. You know, I think it's a it's a, a lesson for us in just how little government we actually need. How many uh, bloated bureaucracies are filled with workers who are clueless as to the overall purpose of a government. You know, it's to ensure the safety of the people who live in it. They're doing a lousy job at that. We got a porous border. We got uh, underutilized and often utilized in the wrong manner, troops. And then I have to hear that, uh, you know, the Department of Defense is having a big celebration. Now, you know, Memorial Day just passed, so a celebration was definitely in order, right? But that's not the memo that was sent out by the Department of Defense. No, no, it was, this was the memo. Let me, let me read it to you because it's really, it's, it, it just, it summarizes everything that's wrong right now in America. From the Undersecretary of Defense, whose name is Gilbert Cisneros, Jr. It says, Memorandum for Senior Pentagon Leadership, Defense Agency and DOD Field Activity Directors. Subject, 2023 Department of Defense, Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer, and Intersex Pride Month Observance. What? The department recognizes June 1st 2023 to June 30th, 2023, as Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer, and Intersex Pride Month. Uh, could somebody just give me a little bit of insight into this? I know what lesbian is. I know what gay is. I think I know what bisexual is, although that never made sense to me. I now know more about transgender than I ever dreamed possible. What exactly is queer? Because we weren't allowed to say that 
just a couple of years ago, right? That was a no-no. That was like the N-word for gay people was don't say queer. Okay, but now we're now the Department of Defense is recognizing queer and intersex. Help me out here. What is intersex? I, I, I really, I don't know. I, I went online because I figure, you know, you can find out anything. You can ask series. What does intersex mean? It is a general term used for a variety of situations in which a person is born with reproductive or sexual anatomy that doesn't fit the boxes of female or male. Sometimes doctors do surgeries on intersex babies and children to make their bodies fit binary ideas of male or female. So you apparently an intersex person has both ovarian and testicular tissue. And it could be in the same spot. Might have one ovary and one... What? The person may have XX chromosomes, XY chromosomes, or both. The external genitals may be ambiguous or may appear to be... When I was young, this was called a hermaphrodite. And I really never even knew what that was until Fellini made the movie Satyricon. Anybody remember that movie? That was so racy. By today's standards, it's a, it would be on uh, Sesame Street. You know, you can let a, a, a four-year-old hear about uh, drag queens. So I, I assure you, Fellini Satyricon wouldn't uh, you know, wouldn't disturb anybody in a kindergarten uh, movie room. But so now we have to honor these uh, so-called intersex people. H- how do you know if you're intersex? You know, and, and then I looked that up. And trust me, there's a whole bunch of, uh, you know, uh, descriptions in on the internet that really just were very uh, disturbing for me. I cannot read them on the air. Let me put it that way. I could, you know, I could use language that's acceptable, but uh, I just don't want to. Because intersex, you know, I believe they made a lot of this stuff up. That's all. I really do. Because when you can tell a parent, and we all know this to be true, what gender their baby is in the third month of gestation, how could there not be a gender? Right? I have a a young friend right now. She is pregnant. She's about five months pregnant. Since her uh, eight-week visit, um, she has known the gender of her baby. Now, what happens upon birth that would change that? I mean, you know, when I was coming up, we had the first methodology for telling you what the gender of your baby was, right? They would take an ultrasound and you would look at this picture And if there was something between the legs, then you had a boy. If there was nothing, you had a girl, unless, of course, it was hidden or the baby was backwards or something like that. Now, I would have to worry about whether my baby has a mix of male and female biological features, like a uterus and testicles, which you couldn't see on the outside. Come on, guys. How much of this are we going to tolerate? You know, on the very rare occasions 
where there is a, a legitimate case of gender dysphoria or hermaphrodism or whatever they're calling it, intersex, my heart goes out and I hope that uh, people receive the uh, therapies that they require once they've achieved adulthood and can clearly make up their own minds. But this insanity that we have going on right now, you know, somebody just said to me um, today, a mother said my 12-year-old uh, it re revealed to me that they, they're not sure if they're a boy or a girl. They, they think they're binary. And I'm like, what? You know, where did that come from? And the mother herself said to me, I think she got it off a TikTok video. Parents, grandparents, please monitor what your kids are watching because why would a 12-year-old even question that? When I was 12, I was a tomboy and that's how it was referred to. Oh, Joyce likes to, you know, ride horses and play with, uh, you know, uh, little fake uh, revolvers, you know, wear a cowboy hat. She's a tomboy. She likes to climb trees. She's a tomboy. Nobody said to me, well, you know, you're, you might be a boy. Nobody, not a single person. As a matter of fact, my mother like put more crinolines under my skirt. All right, let me take a quick break. Don't forget to download our app, the 850 WFTL app, because there's always contests that you can register to win. They're always ongoing. Plus, you can get all the news headlines and you can listen to my podcast and you can listen to today's show later. Whatever you want, it's on that app, 850WFTL. It's also at the website, 850WFTL.com. Quick break, I'll be right back. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So, you know, here we are talking about all these different ways we can refer to ourselves and we're allowing children to refer to themselves. And, you know, I read this article and I have to admit, I am avoiding any further talk about the debt ceiling today because I get so aggravated and I start like, you know, my, my words get all jumbled together and my fury over it is needs to be tamed a little bit. Uh, you know, I have now read it all. And if, if you read this whole thing and study it the way I did, you'll be just as upset as I am. And so I'm, I'm sparing you the pain until everybody's had a chance to read it and until it passes in the Senate, which it will, and until it's signed, and then I can rant and rave. But for now, I'm not going to rant and rave endlessly in the expectation. But I have been reading other kinds of news, especially when I was away, because I said, uh, you know, I, I, I just, uh, it's too early for presidential politics in spite of the fact that it was a big week with Ron DeSantis cutting into the race, our governor, and now Chris Christie's going to announce next week and Mike Pence is going to announce next week. I get it. It's a big season. But for me, there's a whole lot of time left. And I'm pretty much not going to change my position. And uh, I, I, can't, I just can't wait for all of them to get in because I think it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be a barrel of laughs. Um, but I'm reading these other articles, articles about, like, what's going on in the world because you know, while I'm busy studying a debt ceiling, most of America is more interested in, you know, 
this young lady that plays the Little Mermaid. You know, that's what people are talking about. People are talking about um, Lizzo. Lizzo, who went online and did the one thing that I was told early on in my career, and this was in my previous career where I was, you know, a musical uh, career, and I was always told, do not read your reviews. Don't read your good reviews, because if you read your good reviews, then you got to read your bad reviews. You cannot control what people say about you or what people write about you. Um, and you're not going to use them constructively. That's for sure. So I never do. I don't read pre I, you know, I, I will read if there's a, a, an article written, I will read to make sure that it's truthful. And then when it's not truthful, which is, was my experience, why I stopped giving interviews, <laughs> um, you know, I would state my case and then, you know, keep it moving. But apparently Lizzo has not learned that. And she was threatening to give up her music career because people were saying nasty things about her weight. Now, mind you, uh, Lizzo, as my producer and I were just discussing, Lizzo is in way better shape at her size than I am because she can dance for like an hour. Uh, uh, Sharina said she danced for an hour and a half at a show that she saw. Now, that's pretty incredible. I don't know many people who can do that. And we're not just talking about like, you know, swaying from side to side. She, these are really advanced choreographed dances. I've seen them myself on television. And so, you know, why does she care that people are trolling her on social media and saying, oh, you know, how can she be this fat when she moves as much? Or, you know, how she must eat a lot of, uh, you know, what did they say, fast food and stuff like that. So she responds to some troll. She says, y'all don't know how close I be to giving up on everyone and quitting and enjoying my money and my man on a, and then she uses the word I can't say, farm. You're not fooling anybody, Lizzo. You're not going to live on a farm. I got a friend who just did this, you know, a friend who's very into the the better things in life, the finer things in life, who decided, oh, she's going to go, you know, grow uh, pumpkins uh, in Georgia. Yeah, that, that I want to see how long that lasts. Same with uh, Lizzo. You're not going to a farm. You have an incredible career. You make a lot of people feel a lot better. I know that you get beat up by the Ben Shapiros of the world and apparently this troll who is some kind of, um, uh, I don't know, an author or a podcaster or something. I don't know these people. Leah Heilpern, who put a video of Lizzo wearing some kind of green gown where you could take the skirt off and she's singing and dancing. And, and you know, so she posted, how is she this still this fat when she's constantly moving this much on stage? I wonder what she must be eating. Now, mind you, I don't even think that's particularly offensive. What she was saying is like, how on earth can she be in such good shape when she's this large? Now, think about that. Is that it's uh, it's might be somewhat insulting, but it's actually kind of a tribute to her. It's what I said when I came on. Like, I'm not in the same. I'm not in as good shape as she is. You know, when you got the Jillian Michaels and the Ben Shapiros and everybody else literally calling you out because you're giving people the impression that it's okay to be overweight and in her case, you know, obese. She's te technically obese. 
I'd be fighting back if I was Lizzo. I'd be saying, come to my show and watch me and then tell me how unhealthy I am. Because if you can get up on the stage with me and dance, then we have something to talk about. But nobody can. You know that. I mean, I, I couldn't. And then the other big thing, and this was really big out there in Hollywood where they're having a writer's strike and a this strike and a that strike. You know, California is like, you know, they're strike happy. But um, everybody was talking about, oh, you know, the Little Mermaid. We don't like the songs and we don't like this and we don't like that. And uh, why did they have to cast the Little Mermaid as, as African-American? Blah, blah, blah. I've, I've heard all this discussion. And then I thought, oh, this is going to be tough, right? You know, this this little film, a bit, well, not little, but this this film, which a lot of people have been waiting for, it's like a live action remake of a Disney classic, open to unbelievable numbers for Memorial Day. It made $96 million in ticket sales from Friday to Sunday, and it, they're predicting a four-day domestic total of $117.5 million. So for all that blah, 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 the story of Ariel is still very popular. And every review that I read, which was pretty vicious, in every single review, they all praised the actress Haley Bailey, which I think is an interesting name because I... Haley Barry is, you know, one of my acting idols, right? But so here, here is this movie that everybody was anticipating was going to be a flop. It's the opposite of a flop. It's a resounding success. So good for everybody who went to see it anyway. The kid has an incredible voice. She is beautiful to look at, and she's playing a mermaid. Like, what color are mermaids? Mermaids aren't real. You know, everybody calm down. This is the kind of stuff I don't want to fight over. But it did, uh, a lot of people were uh, very surprised. It had a $68 million overseas weekend. So in three days, this movie made $163.5 million. It cost $250 to make, so they're almost, they're almost uh, at even. Very rare. Meanwhile, Fast X came in second, only $23 million this week. And I think it had a $67 million um, first week. So in the two weeks, it still hasn't made as much as The Little Mermaid did. The Super Mario Brothers movie, they're still watching that. Guardians of the Galaxy, those were like three and four. But it's funny because I was at, um, I was across the street from the Sony Studios. I had to pick up my um, my daughter-in-law's father. We were going to celebrate his memorial, but whatever. We were just getting together. And he lives right across the street, literally right across the street from the Sony Studios. There are so many of those satellite, gigantic satellite dishes there that I'd be nervous, you know, because you could, I don't know. That's just the way I've, I begin to think these days. All right, let me take a break. Don't forget, stay right where you are. I got a lot more to talk about. I will talk about some politics, but, you know, life is full of other things. And, you know, there are, there's so much crap in the political world that sometimes you just got to talk about the Little Mermaid. You know what I mean? I'll be right back. Ah, oh, you can't make this stuff up. You, you, you just can't. 
And there are times when I realize that uh, I have a lot of insight into political matters, but I'm I'm constantly being surprised. You know, I, no matter how old I get, it seems as if there's a new crazy thing that they're going to throw at me. You know, I'm still trying to figure out, we're a month since they uh, fired Tucker Carlson, right? And I read an article today by uh, Chadwick Moore, who's the author of the biography, uh, uh, Tucker, I think the name of the book. And, and he got pulled off the air and apparently Fox News people are telling the author that um, they're not allowed to mention his name. Now, I remember when Bill O'Reilly left and they just forced him out. Um, nobody mentioned his name either. And I can tell you in the radio business, when you're out, it's as if you just cease to exist. But nobody tells us we can't say it. You know, I certainly spoke about my fellow uh, colleagues and hosts after they'd gone. I talked about Barsky after he left. I talked about the late Rich Stevens after he left um, and prior to his his death. I, I was never told not to. I talked about Sid Rosenberg, and now, you know, he's at the top of his game, number one in uh, New York, the biggest market in the country. And, I, you know, wh what kind of rule is that, that you can't mention Tucker's name? It's like he was the anchor of primetime and had the highest ratings on the whole station, I think with the exception in the last couple of months that uh, maybe the Feudal Five or whatever they're called, the, the show that's on with the five people at five. Five at five, that's what it's called. Well, anyway, they might have beat him in the ratings, but how do you just pretend he never existed? You, you can't. And so to tell people that they can't use his name is crazy, which is also kind of my position on Everybody deciding that, you know, Donald Trump cannot use anybody's name that was in the administration, especially in a negative fashion. Like, after all this time, does everybody not know Donald Trump, not understand how Donald Trump operates? You really thought that even the people he was closest to would escape? It doesn't work that way. You know, the only people who seem to escape are the people who can give him good press tomorrow. But if you gave him bad press yesterday, you'll be on the poop list for a while. You know, whatever your comment was. You know, today everybody's up in arms. I read the Kaylee McEnany book. I didn't read it. I listened to it on Audible. It was a, you know, Serenity in the Storm. It was an interesting spiritual book. I didn't read it for any kind of real politics. She does uh, talk about the politics and the spiritual in the same you know, she has, each chapter has both a spiritual and a political component to it. And it was okay. I mean, it wasn't, I'm not recommending it. You know, it's not on the Joyce's book club, but it was okay. But I, I don't understand why she's the sacred cow now that, you know, Donald Trump said something negative about her and therefore I can't vote for Donald Trump. I, I mean, if, if that's why you can't vote for Donald Trump, then you never could have voted for him. Because if I, if I can't, excuse his insane level of dialogue and name calling that I can't vote for him, right? It's you're either in or you're out. And I, it's not that I tune it out. I pay very careful attention to it. 
And it seems to me that over the years, he's been right about a lot of those people. You know, certainly been right about a lot of people. And the nicknames are kind of funny. And when people um, stop fighting him and stop challenging him, he's open to having relationships with them. I mean, that's what's so amazing. I mean, I think about him and Marco Rubio. Who ever thought that he would ever have a working relationship with little Marco? He did, you know. All of those people who he beat up on that stage, you know, most of them, um, Huckabee, Governor Huckabee, all these people ended up, uh, Ben Carson, ended up in his camp, really, ostensibly. I don't know where any of them are now. It's a little early for people to be, uh, placing their bets. Not early for me, because I'm not placing a bet on who I think is going to win. I'm placing a bet on who I want to win. There's a difference, right? I don't know. I cannot predict the outcome of the election. I can predict the outcome of the primary. And you all know where I stand. Now, the election is a whole nother show, because the level of expected uh, sh shenanigans and chicanery is beyond my comprehension. And now with artificial intelligence, it's really, it's just I, all bets are off. I, I don't know how we're going to conduct elections and have any confidence in them anymore. I'm looking at these videotapes of Maricopa, and while I wish Carrie Lake would just quiet down because, you know, she keeps losing in the court and that doesn't help her, but I'm looking at these videotapes that are just being released on the, what was going on in Maricopa County. And uh, how you, there was no control of the electoral vote gathering. None. Zero. Um, I'm reading statistics on some of these absentee ballot totals in states like Pennsylvania, in places where I was very concerned because well, I went to bed. Well, I didn't go to bed, but some people went to bed with Trump in the lead and then they wake up in the morning and all of a sudden he's down. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, the same NSA that can uh, collect intelligence on me doesn't seem interested in securing our elections. The same uh, Department of Justice that doesn't hesitate to send a SWAT team to a president's house, a former president's house, doesn't seem all that concerned about election interference at all. Because now's the time when everybody should be cranking up. Now, I assure you that Florida will have a very secure election. All the things have been put in place to make it a secure election, and the one thing Governor DeSantis wants is to win his home state. Of course, it's also Donald Trump's home state. And that is where a lot of the battle is going to take place. Because I have to tell you, I just came back from California. Uh, the people in California who even know who Governor DeSantis is don't like him. You know, The people, not that California is going to go for any Republican, but I, I'm just telling you, in the rest of the country, I talk to people in Montana, I talk to people in... Um, Arkansas. I talk to people in Michigan. I mean, I talk to people around the country, other radio personalities and people that I know, and uh, they either, you know, have negative things to say about Ron DeSantis or they, you know, they don't know who he is. 
they, they literally don't know who he is. I know we're focused on him, but they'll tell you things like, oh, there were lockdowns. Even Trump the other day said, oh, you know, Ron DeSantis let Fauci lock down Florida. The only time Florida was locked down, to my memory, was the first three months when basically everything was locked down around the world because nobody knew what was going on. But by the end of three months, Governor DeSantis was eliminating a lot of these uh, restrictions, and he gets total credit for that. You know, I think it looks bad to deny him the credit for that. He was a good governor. He, he, he's not a good governor anymore. He's traveling in the country. He's at four states and 30 counties in the next, you know, 72 hours. Well, how about me? How about Florida? You know, what you think you're done? And if you are done, then step down. Don't change the law so that you're allowed to stay the governor and run. You know, you have such confidence in uh, Go Lieutenant Governor Nunes. Give her the reins. Step down. Uh, I mean... I just don't, I never like the idea of a presidential candidate who's going to have to run the race of their life, especially Ron DeSantis, because nobody knows him, all right? Nobody knows his story. You know, if they don't watch Fox News, they don't know what he looks like. They don't know anything about Casey. I hear everybody going, oh, Casey's such a great spokesperson. And, you know, oh, Casey, Casey, Casey. Well, you know, ask somebody in Ohio who Casey DeSantis is, and they'll say, I don't know, you know. I don't know. So he's got a lot of work ahead of him. When's he going to govern the state of Florida? You know, I, I don't think he can. And I think that's what, you know, people like me are so concerned about. Anyway, there, I said I wasn't going to do it and I vented. Well, you can't help it. I get paid to vent. Um, so let me take a break. Don't forget, coming up right after me is Dan Bongino and then Ben Shapiro and then the WPTV News and then all the great guys overnight, Lars Larson, Joe Paggs, uh, and then, of course, Jen and Bill will be back in the morning. And it's Friday tomorrow morning, so it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back to finish the show. All right, and my, my final um, frustration I'm going to share now. Many of you know that uh, I grew up in a household where my father was a Yankee fan and a Knicks fan. I mean, he grew up in New York City, but he was a Yankees fan and he was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. So in his latter years, he followed both the Yankees and the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, right? So, you know, some things you continue with. They're part of the legacy, right? And so I love... Major League Baseball. And I find it the least politically offensive. Most of the people who make any public statements are pretty neutral. But something happened while I was in LA, and it was a big story in LA. And I followed it very closely. There's a relief pitcher on the Dodgers team by the name of Blake Trinan. And um, he was very upset that the organization that he works for, um, the team that he works for, had invited a group that's called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And it's a group of queer and trans nuns. And it invited them to the team's annual LGBTQ plus Pride Night, right? He happened to be on an injured list when I was out in LA. He had some kind of surgery. And so he sent a statement 
to his friend who is a worship leader because uh, he doesn't use social media. First, I found that fascinating. Um, I'm all for people who don't use social media. I think it's, it's a challenge to stay away from it as we do, some of us do. Um, so he sent it to this guy, Sean Fucht, who's the founder of Hold the Line, um, an activist movement whose hope is to bring awareness that would lead to historic engagement in cultural influencing. You know, the, the church should be allowed to influence culture and, and, and government just like every other uh, special interest group. Um, and now this guy is a hero. He's, he's a great baseball player. But what ended up happening was he, he gave him this letter and he put it up on Instagram. And, you know, I, I'm impressed. This is a heroic move. In the statement, he said he is disappointed to see the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence being honored as heroes at Dodger Stadium. Many of their performances are blasphemous and their work only displays hate and mockery of Catholics and the Christian faith. Earlier this month, the Dodgers publicly apologized to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence for removing them from their lineup because conservative Catholic groups didn't want to see this. And now they re-invited them after the apology. You know, now, in case you don't know anything about the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, they, like, they do pole dancing on a cross dressed up like Jesus? Um, ouch. You know, they, they have a hunky Jesus contest every year at Easter. This is really insulting to Christians, but particularly to Catholics because that's where nuns are. I'm, you know, uh, Baptists, we don't have nuns. You know, evangel evangelicals don't have nuns. Non-denominational people don't have nuns. So this is an assault. And it, interestingly enough, Sam Britton, the, uh, the luggage thief, is part of this group, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. That kind of figures, right? So Trinane in his letter said, I understand that playing baseball is a privilege and not a right. I mean, what a humble guy, right? It's not, it's it, it, at your level, at his level of play, it may not be a right, but it's certainly indicated, right? And then he goes on to say, my convictions in Jesus Christ will always come first. Since I have been with the Dodgers, they have been at the forefront of supporting a wide variety of groups. However, inviting the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to perform disenfranchises a large community and promotes hate of Christians and people of faith. But, you know, that's the last bastion of bigotry in this country. And what the Dodgers have done, because I was in L.A. at the time, is they have literally alienated sports fans who are faith-based. You know, we're watching... Bud Light and Target, they're all paying the price for this insistence that, uh, you know, we have to uh, not just accept everything, but we have to allow people to openly mock Christ, the, you know, which is still the predominant religion. Well, maybe atheism is the predominant religion in America today. But this is, just, I'm just glad to see this young man stand up. 
right? He said, I have no, nothing to do, no, I'm not disapproving of anybody's lifestyle. I just think that this group makes fun of my religion, and I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't understand why my team has invited these people. There are plenty of other groups that they could have invited. So, you know, c uh, congratulations to the relief pitcher of the Los Angeles Dodgers, a man who has convictions and stood up for his convictions. He concluded by quoting Joshua 24 and 15, which is at the door doorway of my house. It says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. All right. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here at the microphone tomorrow at noon, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken and stand up for what you believe in. May God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.